This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. And welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. One that's been proudly going since 2017. Wow. Uh, Still going strong here in 2023 uh, with over 250 recordings to date. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Always really appreciated. And here's hoping that there will be many more to come. If you are new to the show, welcome along. All of those previous episodes are available at Cast Provider of Choice or threelionspodcast.com. Plenty there that are still relevant today as they were the day they were released. An ideal for a little listen for any upcoming away day flights that you may have. Uh, of course, coming your way very soon will be the preview episode for Italy away and Ukraine at home. And of course, that will include Gareth's squad for those two Euro 2024 qualifying games. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and that will come to you when it's released. But this little episode is a little filler until that one hits the shelves. And one that I only came about just recently. I found the subject interesting and wanted to share with you my findings. Now, over the years, there have been matches officially planned by the FA. And then with all the excitement of the fans and the media, the fixture's been (laughs) cancelled. This feature came to me after reading Terry Venable's autobiography, which mentioned a match planned for 1994 against Germany. I'll come to that very soon. But there have been others, uh, a particular couple that sprang to my mind. And of course, more recently, those affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Now, I began doing some research on the ones I knew about, then came across a page on the excellent England Football Online website, a page dedicated to postponed and unfulfilled matches. So it would appear... To date, that England have been involved in 42 fixtures of this nature and all knocked on the head for a variety of reasons. Although with some being postponed, they were played at a later date. I'm not going to go through all of them, but just generally the ones with a little bit of a story behind them. But the first one to ever get postponed would have been England's ninth game. Back in 1879, it was a match between England and Scotland on the 1st of March. It was held back five days because of snow. And here we are again, March, snow in the air. Uh, But this particular game was due to be played at Surrey's Cricket Ground in Kennington. World Wars 1 and 2 put paid to seven matches. And Fog has been the cause of three postponed matches. Firstly, there was a match between England and Switzerland in 1948. That was due to be played at Arsenal's old Highbury Stadium. 
The game was played the following day. Uh, in 1975, a Euro 76 qualifying match against Czechoslovakia in Bratislava went ahead for 17 minutes, but abandoned whilst the score was still nil-nil. Again, this was played the following day. Now, it would appear that the game began from the start, rather than the 17th minute where it had been stopped the day before. England went one up, but eventually lost 2-1. Then probably the most famous fog-related England game was in November 1979. Bulgaria came to Wembley for a Euro 80 qualifier, only for fog to once again be the cause of the delay. This was to be the first ever Wembley match to be postponed. Uh, it was played the following day, although without Kevin Keegan, as he had had to return to Hamburg. However, it was the start of Glenn Hoddle's senior international career in a match that he scored in. Wilkins. Francis, and here's Hoddle. Well, you won't believe this, but he said to me before the match, it could be, I'll get one. He remembered the goal that we showed in midweek. For Tottenham against Manchester United. What a delight for Glenn Hoddle. And what confidence for that one. Spooned up with the side of the foot into the roof. Just look at it. And that one he hit first time. December 1989, England was scheduled to play the Netherlands at Wembley. Now, this one was postponed on government advice due to the threat of hooliganism. Back then, both nations at the time had high-profile issues with football disturbances, either on or off the terraces. So a game against Yugoslavia was hastily arranged to be played on the same date, and one that England won 2-1. Now this is where it starts to get a little odd. 1994, and England were now under the stewardship of Terry Venables and had already beaten European champions Denmark in his first game. This was to be followed up with a fixture against the then World Cup holders Germany, scheduled for the 20th of April 1994, uh, in the Olympia Stadion in Berlin. Now in the programme for that Denmark game, there is a page feature on the FA England Travel Club that mentions the fixture and a handling operator for the Football Association by the name of Gateway UK Limited. They were offering coach trips for £99 return and £199 for a return charter flight, that from Gatwick to Berlin Airport. But with that was a £10 compulsory travel insurance charge, which would turn out to come in handy. The fixture was announced... Flights were booked, tickets were sold, 60,000 no less, anticipation was building. That was until the FA pulled out of the fixture on the 6th of April, two weeks before the game was to be played. Why? Because the 20th of April was the anniversary date of Adolf Hitler's birthday, born 105 years previous in 1889. 
The FA feared that a game played in Berlin between the two sides on this significant date was a potential spark for violence with neo-Nazi thugs who had been vocal in the date's significance. Probably, in hindsight, it was the correct decision to make. But you have to question the organisers for not flagging the date in the original discussions. Good evening. English soccer hooliganism broke out again in Dublin tonight, forcing the international between Ireland and England, billed as a friendly, to be abandoned. The violence broke out after Ireland went ahead with a goal midway through the first half. Fans in the English section of the crowd began hurling missiles onto the pitch and the people below them. The future of the European Championship finals, which are due to be played in England next year, could now be in doubt. Chants of no surrender to the IRA could be heard coming from the English fans' enclosure, followed quickly by a hail of missiles onto the Republic's supporters massed below them. A stadium designed for more placid rugby union enthusiasts, yielding a plentiful supply of breakable pieces of seats to be used as weapons. The Irish police had been warned by their English counterparts of the likely presence of up to 40 known troublemakers. In the event, there appeared to have been many times more, and the Guardi, unused to such behaviour, seemed slow to react. Some 15 minutes later, the police took the decision to abandon the match. Those responsible sickeningly proud of their achievement. The defiant salutes seemingly confirming the presence of right-wing fanatics. Wednesday, 15th of February, 1995. One of England's darkest days. It was Terry Venable's first away game. It was away to Ireland in Dublin. As I've already mentioned, a couple of games that have previously been cut short due to fog and were played the following day. However, this particular game was famously abandoned after just 27 minutes. In truth, it's probably a game that could have an episode dedicated to it in its entirety, but that would probably glorify it more than it needs to be, as it was an incident that caused shockwaves across the country for days and weeks afterwards and came close to England losing the hosting rights to Euro 96. England were given in the region of 4,000 tickets. However, a large hooligan element and BNP members travelled across the Irish Sea and chanted political songs from the upper side stand of Lansdowne Road. Thanks to a David Kelly goal, Ireland were leading by a goal to nil, before trouble in the England section began. Fans began throwing objects down from the stand onto the supporters below. It was this that forced the referee and the police to call the match to a halt. Despite the game coming to an abrupt stop after less than half an hour, the game is still classed as an official fixture and the players were awarded their caps for it. Move forward to 2011 and a couple more fixtures that bit the bullet. On the 10th of May 2010, the Guardian newspaper announced that England would be playing away to Thailand in Bangkok to be played on June the 7th 2011, shortly after a Wembley qualifier against Switzerland. And it came about as a match to commemorate the 65th anniversary of the Thai King's accession to the throne. It would have been the first senior fixture between the two nations and one the FA had pinned a lot of hope of reciprocal support for their bid for the 2018 World Cup. Now at the time, 
the Thai national team were being managed by Brian Robson, a position he had minimal success with. Uh, He was contracted to the Thai FA until the 2014 World Cup. They didn't make it that far and Robson resigned in June 2011. But back to the fixture. Potentially coming so soon after the end of a Premier League season, understandably, managers weren't so happy for their players to be travelling so far. Come December, shortly after the 2018 World Cup hosts were announced, the fixture was pulled. The FA citing that the players needed a rest that would follow a gruelling season. But it's widely thought that the Thai football president didn't back the FA's bid. This would cause the then acting FA chairman, Roger Burden, to quit the post. But because of the advanced warning of the fixture being announced, many England fans took the plunge and arranged flights and accommodation, obviously at great expense. But many fans continued with the trip, using it as an opportunity to go and see a part of the world that perhaps they wouldn't have. Interestingly, there was no official mention of the fixture in any official England matchday programmes preceding the game, and there was nothing mentioned in Free Lions, the England fanzine. But all in all, it was a very embarrassing situation for the FA. This is BBC News, the headlines at two o'clock. Police struggle to contain the violence after a third night of riots. They describe it as the worst in current memory. One man has died after being shot during the rioting, which has now spread from London to other major cities. Later on in 2011, August, England was scheduled to play the Netherlands in a pre-season friendly at Wembley on the 10th. The 6th of August had seen the start of a series of riots in London and across wider towns and cities in the country. It lasted until the 11th. Five people died, buildings were set ablaze and various shops were looted in massive civil unrest. The game against the Dutch had been in the diary for some time. But the day before, the FA chairman, David Bernstein, said that after communications with the police, government and Brent Council, it was in the best interest to call the game off. Ghana also had a match against Nigeria, due to be played at Watford's Vicarage Road. That was called off too, along with various Carling Cup matches. The game was eventually played on the 29th of February the following year, 2012, and the programme notes from that game read... The Dutch roll into Wembley seven months after they were originally scheduled to face the Three Lions. The friendly had been slated for the 10th of August 2011, but after a chaotic few days of rioting across the capital, the fixture was cancelled amid safety fears. In charge of England that day, in his one and only time as caretaker manager, was Stuart Pearce. He couldn't inspire England as they went down 3-2. This, despite Ashley Young equalising a minute into injury time, only for Iron Robin to go up the other end and win the game for the Dutch. A game being postponed because the stadium roof wasn't shut isn't really an excuse you're likely to hear too often. But here we are, 
Tuesday the 16th of October 2012, England were away to Poland in Warsaw in a 2014 World Cup qualifier. As the 2000 England fans who were there, myself included, will remember, the rain that day was heavy and persistent. Kickoff was scheduled for 9pm local time, all under the eye of an all-Italian refereeing team. They chose not to have any sort of pitch inspection, and the Polish organisers chose not to shut the roof on the new 400 million state-of-the-art stadium. But eventually the referee came out to throw a ball about, and much to the amusement of the fans in the stand, the ball didn't travel far. And whilst we were all waiting for an official announcement, a couple of Polish fans ran on the pitch and slid about on their bellies. Such was the poor communication that day in the stadium. The England fans, high up behind the goal, received clarification that it was off from messages received from home, from those that were watching on ITV, and Adrian Charles confirming what we already knew. Uh, Incidentally, Gareth Southgate was sat in the ITV studio that night. Something seems to be happening here, Roy. There's... um... I wonder oh, what, what's here, he doing? He's <laughs> not bouncing the ball again. How's he going to change? No, it's what? not bounce. The roof hasn't been shut. The rain's kept falling. What kind of miracle is he hoping has come to pass? Help me, Roy. What's right. going on, Roy? Go down and sort them out. You can get them. You can get them sorted. Oh, the referee's a clown because he was late. he was late coming out in the first place. He was last out onto the pitch. He should have been first out checking yeah. because the rain has been coming over the last two or three hours. What is the optimum role that a ball? Yes, before it's more than that deemed not to be fit for play. This, he's enjoying his moment in the sun. This um, referee, as Roy has described, Every not unfairly as a clown. Every time he throws the ball up and he lands dead, the crowd, the crowd cheer. cheer. It's been well That's worth the three hundred zloty uh, admission price, or, uh, or or whatever it is. It looks like he's made his decision. He's walked. He can't throw the ball anymore, surely. It's not the most scientific of uh, no. experiments, is it? Really, rubber ball on the field like that. The game was finally played the following day at five o'clock local time where Wayne Rooney gave us a first half lead before the Poles equalised in the second half. I mentioned Stuart Pearce and his one game in charge. Here's another, Sam Allardyce, although he could very much have had two. Allardyce famously is the one and only England manager with a 100% record. Played one, won one. Just. That game away to Slovakia in September 2016 should have been his second game in charge, as Croatia were lined up as a friendly opponent at Wembley for the 1st of September. Allardyce was appointed as England manager on the 22nd of July, and three days later, the Guardian newspaper announced the fixture. However, shortly afterwards, it was said... Allardyce decided against the fixture as he wanted to take the opportunity to train and get to know his players. Then, of course, the most recent spate of cancelled matches were because of the coronavirus pandemic. Four friendlies were planned in the run-up to Euro 2020. Italy and Denmark in March 2020, both at Wembley. Then there were two planned matches in June. Away to Austria in Vienna then Romania at Villa Park. 
The latter two were eventually played, almost a year to the day later, both in front of a reduced capacity Riverside Stadium in Middlesbrough. And both were won by a goal to nil. Then, of course, Euro 2020 was postponed by a year. But in between that was a fixture scheduled against New Zealand for November. Uh, It was always going to be a fixture with complications. Uh, In the end, quarantine issues scuppered the game. Fortunately for match-going fans, they weren't going to be affected as it was due to be played behind closed doors. In fact, at the time... I recorded an episode uh, in advance of the fixture with a former New Zealand player who had played against England previously. Uh, You can find that at your podcast provider of choice or threelionspodcast.com. It's episode 118. So there we go. As we all know, games sometimes do become a cropper. But fortunately, as England fans, we've not had to experience too many of them And hopefully, we won't have too many more in the future. So as I say, just a short one, but one I hope you'll have found interesting. Don't forget, if you've got an idea for a future episode, feel free to let me know. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. Send me a message. Uh, Or if email is your thing, threelionspodcast at gmail.com. And as I mentioned at the top of the show... The next episode will be the Italy-Ukraine preview. Hope you can join me for that one. So until then, take care of yourselves. Cheers. Cheers.